Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Everybody, Anthony Pizzetta here with the Orange Black Insider Bengals podcast, and of course, in conjunction with CincyJungle.com. How's everybody doing? Hopefully, you are doing well on this Tuesday. And you know what? Belated Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Whether you're a dad, a stepdad, a foster dad, an uncle, a grandparent, all of that, there are a lot of father figures out there. A lot of which also hopefully listen to this show and are Bengals fans. So a related happy Father's Day to all of you out there. And a shout out to my own dad, my brother, my uncles, a lot of great father figures in my life. And so a little shout out to all of you there and a belated happy Father's Day to all of you. Hopefully you had a great weekend, whether you're spending it with family, whether you're spending it with friends, anything. Um Hopefully you had a great time, maybe celebrating Father's Day, maybe doing something else, maybe a little bit of both. I don't know, but hope you had a great time. This is the Happening Headline Show. We usually do this where we take a spin around the NFL, around the AFC North, and of course, center in on the Cincinnati Bengals to kind of get you up to speed on what's going on with the team, with the division, and with the rest of the league. Kind of a lot of different headlines in one of the somewhat slower periods of the NFL calendar. Some headlines have kind of come out this week, um, kind of all over the place in terms of Bengals-centric NFL news, all that kind of stuff, one of which just kind of came across right before we took the air here. So we'll get to that in just a little bit. But we're going to get to all of the headlines and get you informed with everything. Now, before we do, I want to do a shameless self-promotion because we've got a pretty cool guest. If you joined us a few weeks ago a couple weeks ago we had justin from engraven vids and again please 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 go subscribe to justin's channel engraven vids does a lot of nfl stuff and baltimore raven stuff but we had him on to promote uh and talk about what's going on with the baltimore ravens and i want to give this here this is on this week we have former steelers cornerback ike taylor and Mark Bergen, the two hosts of the Believe in Steelers podcast. They have both been on our show separately over the years, and we've got them coming on this week to help us talk about the Steelers, preview them, and see what's going on on that side of the fence, as well as get their thoughts on some things with the Cincinnati Bengals. So we will be having that going on on Wednesday evening. So you're going to want to make sure that you tune in for that and uh, get some get some good information about the Steelers and whatnot and kind of the state of Pittsburgh going forward. So that being said, let's get to the Bengals headlines. We will start with the Bengals a lot kind of to get to there. Then we're going to go within the division and then kind of zoom out to the rest of the NFL as we usually do. We do have a tweet of the week. I do have another article in here too that um, it's not football centric, but it is Cincinnati centric. So I do want to share that too. Cool, cool story here. But all right, let's get going with, let's see, where do we want to start here? Let's start with this one. This is on cincyjungle.com. Bengals have two of the best wide receivers, and this is from Patrick Judas, two of the best wide receivers at making tough catches. So what does that mean? And I will pin that as I usually do pin most, if not all of the stories in the live chats. And this is on uh, from the NFL's Twitter account who consistently made the most difficult catches in 2021. Uh, we've talked about this a little bit. I think we, we relayed a story here, but here you go. Look at the, look at the names up top here. 
Um, and you see number one and number nine on that list, T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. And again, this is catch rate over expected uh, CROE, part of the next gen stats that are put out there. So not a little bit of stuff that's below the surface. We may have covered this one before, but we've got a story on it on Cincy Jungle. And again, nice graphic here uh, by NFL.com. So cool stuff. The Bengals and those two young wideouts have really done a good job in terms of making catches that based on metrics and whatnot, they were not believed to have uh, made on the surface of the throw, given the coverage, all that kind of stuff. So um, good stuff there. And then of course, you know, you've got the guy who makes the tough catches often across the middle and in the short areas of the field in Tyler Boyd. So obviously the Bengals are doing real well at the wide receiver position, no secret, no shocker there, but Still a metric that we want to share with you. And speaking of next-gen stats and Bengals players, Trey Hendrickson, number one disruptor in the league for next-gen stats. And this is, of course, courtesy of our friend Dadio McDuke. He and uh, Hoji and, of course, my co-host John Sheeran do a great show on DNH Sports. So you got to – and Bridget helps out there as well. Great show. So you got to go check out DNH Sports if you have not already. But – Trey Hendrickson, the number one disruptor per next gen stats. Here is the link on cincyjungle.com. And you can see here, Daddio puts it up here. And you can see uh, nightmares. And this is from NFL Game Day nightmares for opposing defenses. Look at that. Trey Hendrickson tops the list above TJ Watt, above Max Crosby, above Micah Parkins, uh, Parsons, above Yannick Ngakwe, above Miles Garrett. Um, so, very, very good year from him. And man, I I have to, I have to, again, pat myself on the back. My shoulders get sore from pat, patting myself on the back, but I was, I was on board with this signing when the Bengals made it last free agency. There was kind of a little bit of, you know, some folks were just really, really upset about the Carl Lawson leaving and, and giving this contract out. Was Trey Hendrickson just a guy who had cleanup sacks? Was he a guy that just had, you know, those hustle plays and coverage sacks with the Saints before landing with the Bengals? Well, I think now we saw firsthand that he does a little bit of everything. He does get some of those coverage sacks, but he is a guy who just was a nightmare last year and a heck of a teammate. And I still remember the visual of him when the Bengals beat the chiefs in overtime in that AFC championship game. You know, I think there's a lot of, there's a, there's a shot on the sideline there. I wish I queued this up, but there's a shot on the sideline there where all the players are celebrating and hugging and whatever. And you just see Trey Hendrickson on the bench kind of sit back and smile and almost quietly get emotional. I don't know. I could, didn't zoom in that far, but um, you could just tell he was exhausted and just was like, oh, man, I can't believe this is happening to this team this year. We're going to go to the Super Bowl. Pretty cool stuff. Um, but at any rate, Trey Hendrickson, a great free agent pickup by the Cincinnati Bengals. And next-gen stats prove it with the top disruptor note there by next-gen stats. Let's keep it going here with some more uh, praise, statistical praise for the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow, I mean, how many, how many more – different awards list topping items can we give this guy he gets recognition as a top quarterback best against cover three and this is from chris sims um and you can see here here is the quote and this is on cincyjungle.com let's bring that back up here quote they've gone to another level is Burrow as smart as Rodgers yet? Meaning Aaron Rodgers. No, but he's still really smart. The big thing is his ability to do things when things aren't perfect with the offense. We know it was. While a very talented offense last year, there were some shortcomings. Quote, aggressive. Those four quarterbacks, it's never, oh, he's kind of open. I'll take the check down. Never. It's always aggressive. It puts tremendous pressure on the defense. So, you can see here, and this is a, a, a nice addition by Patrick Judas, once again on Cincy Jungle, adding in Doug Farrar of the touchdown wire, uh, adding in some stuff here. Throwing a single deep safety and zone coverage against Burrow and the Bengals was generally a fool's errand in 21. Against cover three, he completed 123 of 165 passes for 1,471 yards, 
826 air yards, 10 touchdowns, three interceptions, a passer rating of 114. Um, man, Burroughs touchdowns and passer rating against cover three led the league. So as we know, Burrow is very accurate. He's got that, that mind, almost a Peyton Manning-esque mind in terms of reading defenses and being able to dissect what's happening. And you know what, what not a lot of people, at least I haven't been hearing too much, but not a lot of people have been talking about. I, I remember going into this season, Joe Burrow was making appearances on like Colin Cowherd show and all kinds of different things. And they were asking, you know, what's your biggest strength? And he just, and, and you know, what's, what did you learn as a rookie type of thing? And just how he's a guy that doesn't like to, and rarely ever makes the same mistake twice. Um, and you can tell that there was the play. If you remember in his rookie season, that game was against the Colts and the Bengals were trying to come back and they almost came back and burrow through that late game interception that ended up um, losing the game for him. I think the Bengals shot up to a real big lead in that game and let it evaporate and then, you know, the, the Colts came back in that one. But Burrow had that late interception, and he talked about how that play developed and how he had not really seen that kind of coverage before. And these were the types of turnovers in his second year, this immense year where the Bengals made the Super Bowl, that they he was just not – he wasn't making those types of mistakes. And the rapport with Jamar Chase carrying over from college where they're on the same page a lot and they know kind of where the throw is going to be and where the receiver is going to be and all of that help to lessen that learning curve of, of Jamar Chase and help to lessen those usual young quarterback, young wide receiver mistakes that lead to turnovers, interceptions, et cetera. So um, at any rate, that that article talking about Joe Burrow and his great year last year against cover three kind of plays into all of that. So let's keep going here with... Uh, an article on bangles.com and this is about Hayden Hurst and his uh, tight end coach James Casey and, and Jeff Hobson writes in Bengals tight end room a 60 foot 6 inch bond between free agent Hurst and coach Casey just a cool I'm not going to go too deep into this but a pretty cool article here just talking about how those two have kind of come together. And here's the link for folks there on bangles.com. You can see here, but they have bonded as quickly as one of their 96 mile per hour heaters. They could never cool in the unforgiving catacombs of baseball's low minor leagues. I didn't know where, where I was going. That's why I'm here. Uh, who knows exactly where he is now in the middle of Joe Burrow's sight lines. Uh, I had a good first year, but couldn't control it very well. I'm talking about their, their minor league, um, their minor, minor league career and whatnot. Um, similar paths, you know, a guy I can come and talk to and pick his brain. Hurst talks about it's good for me to have a guy mentality-wise who understands me. He can talk to me and coach me a certain way that maybe other guys haven't been able to get through to me. Interesting comments there and a lot of others in there talking about the rapport that Hurst and his coach, tight ends coach James Casey, have been getting to – um, the, you know, have been getting to grow through the, the spring and summer months here. So interesting stuff. And a lot of people, including my co-host, John Sheeran, believe that Hearst and myself too, but, uh, John Sheeran noted it a couple of weeks ago, I believe on our, you know, behind the scenes bangles or, you know, bangles poised to break out that sort of thing. Hayden Hurst, Hayden Hurst is, uh, you know, this may be a system, an offense, you know, even though he may be down the order in terms of, you know, Chase and Higgins and Boyd, he may be down the pecking order in terms of receiving targets and whatnot. But I think that's going to be a sneaky good pickup for this team. And uh, that is going to be something to watch and something to see how that grows. So those are some of the sights and sounds a little bit coming out of the out of Bengals practices and camps and all kinds of different things. So, um, you know, and some, and some, you know, accolades and next gen stat pats on the back for Bengals players there. So uh, that is something to, something to monitor in terms of how Hurst fits into this 
team, its system, and everything going on in 2022. Now, more on the Jesse Bates saga. When we took the air last week for Happening Headlines, there this the Minka Fitzpatrick contract um, was not inked when we did the Happening Headlines show, but the extension was inked um, in by the time we did our, our listener question show. And so John and I talked about that on the listener question show. So now there is a, a really good article here on Cincy jungle where it's by, it's by our, our own drew Garrison here talking about the impact of Minka Fitzpatrick's contract on Jesse Bates's contract situation and how this safety position keeps having its market, its contractual market reset over and over again. You know, Jamal Adams, Justin Simmons way back now. I mean, it, it just keeps getting reset over and over and over again for the top safeties. And they're getting paid quite a bit of money. So Minka Fitzpatrick, the latest, uh, and of course, within the division and a very valuable guy, a guy who's made Pro Bowls and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But you see here, here is the four-year contract extension worth $18.4 million per year, $36 million guaranteed um, at signing. And, and it was, um, you know, it, he's the highest paid safety now in NFL history. And you have to believe not only just because of the position, not only because of where the safeties are being paid, but the fact that Mika Fitzpatrick plays within this division this has to all just go right into, you know, Jesse Bates's line of thinking, of course. And this article's, you know, talks about what this what this means, and uh, also Fitzpatrick share the same agent, David Mulligetta, of um, Athletes First, and again, he was the guy who negotiated the largest contract in NFL history for Deshaun Watson in that fully guaranteed deal with the Browns with that trade. So. Now it's just in a, a situation where, you know, what is Jesse Bates going to demand? Is how much does this move his needle? Um, you know, I, I, it's kind of interesting. I, I think the Bengals obviously have a contract offer out there to Jesse Bates and what that is and how far away it is from what he is wanting. I don't know. And I don't know that every time one of these other dominoes fall, I don't know if the Bengals keep kind of saying, Hey, we'll tweak this a little bit. Or if Jesse Bates comes back with even higher demands and the Bengals are saying, no, maybe it's a little bit of both. It'd be interesting to be a fly on that wall to see, but uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's very, this is something obviously that just keeps happening to you know, Bates, the Bengals, et cetera. And it's something that they just need to keep, that both parties need to keep noting. And so now when you've got Minka signing this big deal, that's obviously going to be something that Bates looks at and there's a fallout to it. And so go check out that story on Cincy Jungle by Drew Garrison to, to get a little more detail on that. But Fitzpatrick getting over 18 million a year and what did I say, 36 million or so guaranteed at signing. So um, that is something definitely worth noting. And look, there's other, I'll, I'll put this one up here because we're talking Jesse Bates. This is uh, from Stripe Hype on the fan-sided network here. I will share this with you so you can go check out. They, they've got an opinion piece here that the Bengals defense could potentially benefit from a Jesse Bates trade. Um, now you can go find and read that. What, where the reasoning was and, and all of that. But this is on, again, Stripe Pipe here, talking about a Jesse Bates trade, what you know what that could look like and how that could potentially benefit the Bengals. And you can see here, Jesse trading Jesse Bates might be best for the Bengals. Now, there is an argument to be made, you know, if, if for instance, Bates is saying he's not going to play or if, you know, he, I'm going to sit out the rest of camp and maybe into the regular season or through the regular season, unless I get a long-term deal, I'm, I am just not playing on the franchise tag, then yes, trading Jesse Bates might be in the Bengals' best interest at that point if he is simply put not going to play on the franchise tag and the Bengals are not going to budge on the long-term offer, wherein Jesse Bates is not taking that long-term offer. And so if there is a, you know, I'm, I'm just not playing, then... I, I, I see the logic here. However, there is not really that sort of 
storyline occurring here, it would seem that, and, and, you know, if you're listening to Joe Burrow last week when he was addressing the media and all kinds of things, it would seem as if Bates is not planning on sitting out the regular season. Maybe he is sitting out through training camp, maybe preseason. I don't know. Um, And he shows up when he shows up for the regular season. But unless a deal, of course, is struck by then, a long-term deal is struck by then, but it would seem that where this is headed is Jesse Bates is going to play the regular season on the franchise tag and try and parlay that into a long-term deal. And by the way, even if he has a bit of a down year, whatever, he is going to get paid at the level, conceivably, he will get paid at the level where the Minka Fitzpatrick's, Jamal Adams, et cetera, will get paid if he is to hit the open market next year. You better believe that because we know what teams do when that March, when that calendar hits March in free agency. We know what teams do. And when a top player at his position comes onto the free agent market, teams will pay heavily and will reset the market, quite honestly. So at any rate, uh, some logic being told here at the Stripe, Stripe Hype article. Go check that out, talking about how the Bengals could benefit from a Jesse Bates trade. But where I sit right now, you know, I would say that that really is only a scenario if Jesse Bates isn't planning to play at all this year um, and the Bengals are not budging on their contract offer that they have out to him. Then I think maybe that's something they talk about. Regardless, Minka and his contract is now, you know, going to dictate a lot of things on the Jesse Bates front. Moving on, one of the players doing a lot of good stuff in the workouts, practices, summertime stuff. We, you know, you've probably heard if you've been listening to our show, which of course, I don't know why you wouldn't, but you've probably heard John talk about this guy, Kwame Lasseter II, and we talked about him a couple of weeks ago, sad story about his dad, who was a good NFL player and, and um, you know, passed away very young. Very sad story there while working out, I guess. He had a heart attack. Um, so sad story there. But Kwame Lasseter II is making a name for himself at Bengals OTAs every year. And it always seems to happen within the wide receiver group. Every year there seems to be an exciting player who tries to get from undrafted free agent or from cast off elsewhere onto the Bengals roster. We've heard Trent, Trent Irwin. We've heard Trent Taylor. We remember touchdown Jesus from a couple of years ago. Um, you know, there's, there's all kinds of stories that we can, we can talk about here, but Kwame Lasseter is now kind of trying to be that next guy to make a name for himself here. And he's wearing number 18, I believe. So he's donning AJ Green's old number, but you can see here via Kelsey Conway of the Cincinnati Inquirer, uh, he's made several catches, and this was way back a couple weeks ago. Um, but there's some – it's just some nice moments in camp, um, and, and this is from Drew Garrison as well. But a guy who – a little bit of a long shot, but there's also – you can see here there's another one in the long line of, of you know, free agent – wide undrafted free agent wide receivers who have come on and, and done some things with the Bengals. Damian Willis, it didn't work out, but he went from – with the, the A.J. Green injury in 2019, he went from undrafted guy to, like, top of the depth chart, did did Willis, uh, at, at least early at the beginning of the year. So, you know, th- this this could be one of those guys that comes in and, um, you know, could, if, is, if he does some things on special teams, if he does well when the, when the actual preseason games come on, maybe he's a guy who sneaks on, especially with, you know, things a little murky beyond the first three wide receivers there. We've talked about OBJ. Could he be the wide receiver for, you know, Will Fuller? Um, you know, there, there are a couple of other names I saw. I, I saw someone talking about Julio Jones earlier today as well. You know, is that a wide receiver for? And could you get a name like that at the end of their careers or coming off of injury or whatever the case is because you just came off of the Super Bowl and you could talk them into, hey, let's let's chase a ring type of thing. Maybe. But at any rate, Lasseter is doing some good things at camp. And, um, you know, obviously he'll have to do some things in special teams. And that'll probably be where he cuts his teeth earlier. But um, good good to see him kind of grinding and doing some things early in camp. We saw this same steam, though. I think it was Trent Taylor, if I remember correctly, last spring slash summer. And then it kind of fell off a little bit 
training camp preseason and into the regular season. So now it's going to be interesting to see if Lasser can keep this momentum that has been building here early and, and going on. Um, but yeah, a guy definitely to watch. And we've kind of said, you know, based on lineage, based on the story with his dad, based on his being an undrafted free agent and trying to make his way onto the Bengals roster. If the Bengals were on hard knocks this year, that would definitely be one of the guys that, you know, they would probably be profiling uh, as, as a really interesting camp story going into the season. But um, keep an eye on Kwame, Kwame Lasseter, the second wearing number 18 this year for the Cincinnati Bengals. We're gonna, we've got a few more Bengals stories. And then of course we're going to get to do the AFC North and the rest of the NFL so let's keep rolling on. And this is from Chris Rowling and Bengals Wire. Chris does awesome, an awesome job over at Bengals Wire. So definitely go give him a read and or follow on Twitter. And I'll pin this article here. This is about the big three on the offensive line. Alex Capileo, Collins, Ted Karras. Bengals coach raves about the offensive line's big three feeling different. Um, and you can see here from Brian Callahan, quote, the additions up front have been really impressive. A guy like LC, uh, who I believe is Lael Collins, uh, looks like he's supposed to look. They practice like they're supposed to practice. Ted Karras has been really fun to be around. He's dialed in seeing those guys. That feels different. It all works together. Callahan added. Um, and so when you when you see that, uh, and it is from Bang, the quote is originally from bangles.com, but go you can check out it, uh, the article on bangles.com or Bangles Wire. So interesting quote there. Kappa it was dealing with that core issue from where we sit now. It sounds like that's not overly serious. It sounds like it's not going to be something that's going to take up a lot of time or take him away from you know anything, but Man, it's good to it's good to hear that those three are looking how they're supposed to look, and let's just cross fingers and toes and all kinds of things that those three, along with you know, kind of what happened last year, most if not all of the Bengals' important players stay very healthy and continue to build upon the run last year, and maybe dare I say use the, dare I use the word dynasty? I don't know, I don't know, but let's let's hope that this team stays healthy, particularly on that offensive line, because that was a weak spot uh, of the team last year and they did a lot to fix it. So we'll see what happens continuing on. And this was something that came across uh, a, a little bit before we took the air. Um, well, earlier this morning, I suppose the Bengals, we talked about this on our listener questions a little bit. The Bengals probably have some form of an offer out to Larry Ogunjobi and probably have had some uh, an offer out there for a, a bit now. There's also, aside from this story about the Bengals leaving number 65, his old jersey number from last year, open. Uh, I guess there was a photo shoot where I think Kappa, who was – 65 with the Buccaneers is wearing 66. So maybe Ogan Joby has his 65 and the Bengals have potentially some form of a contract out there, likely a team friendly one because of the injury and because of the unfortunate situation where the bears kind of pulled their mega contract from him. I think it was a three-year deal. And I mean, it was, it was, it was a big deal for him. And because of a failed physical with that ankle injury that he suffered against the Raiders in the playoffs, now the Bears took away that contract, and so Ogunjobi has kind of been trying to find his next job after getting seven sacks in the regular season. You see the fumble recovery against the Raiders in that wild card game led to a field goal. Big, big play in that game. So a guy who was just a big part of what they did on defense and a guy who, you know, I mean, was was really productive, part of a, a good rotation, and and you know, it's you would think that the Bengals are still looking for an additional interior rusher of some kind or interior presence of some kind, and Ogunjobi would fit that bill. But is he healthy, and what is he looking for in terms of a deal? He made a, a visit with the Jets. Yet another Bengal visiting with the Jets. Good God. Um, so he he visited with the Jets, did kind of an extensive one from what I understand. And so you see here, he's kind of waiting his next turn. And, you know, the, the Bengals made 
65 open form. You can see here, they are not giving out his number 65 Jersey just yet. Uh, he's going to take over. Uh, he's donning 66, as I mentioned, Alex Kappa was. So, um, and then DJ reader called him a great, great teammate for sure. DJ reader really asserting himself as one of the more fun guys to listen to in the media uh, when it comes to Bengals addressing the media. But now you've got this coming here. Adam Schefter um, earlier today, um, former Bengals defensive tackle Larry Ogunjobi, who had seven sacks last season, is visiting today with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yuck. Um, and then, as I mentioned, visited recently with the New York Jets. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Uh, if you are a Bengals fan, that is not good news to hear. And obviously, with Stephon Tuitt, uh retiring recently from the Pittsburgh Steelers, they are looking to add to their defensive front and they would love nothing more than to take a productive player away from the Bengals and use him to their benefit as the Bengals did with Mike Hilton. So that is something to, we'll all need to kind of keep an eye on because if the Steelers snag Ogunjobi, that would not be a good thing. Obviously, Ogunjobi, very familiar with the division, playing with the Browns before joining the Bengals last year. And then if he either rejoins the Bengals or happens to join the Steelers, he'll stay in that division in which he is very familiar. So we will have to keep an eye on that. Let's hope that, that, that you know, for those who want – and I think, I think a lot of Bengals fans do want Larry Ogunjobi back, I would think. I, I feel like he's a guy that, you know, people got a soft spot for based on – how he performed on that rental kind of contract last year and um, they feel for him in terms of getting injured that late in the season and how it's affected his free agency again. So, you know, of course the Bengals gave the big money to BJ Hill early in, in free agency. So those roles in terms of early downs versus later downs might be reversed. Should Ogunjobi come to the Bengals in some form or fashion? And it may be that Ogunjobi early in the season kind of, eases kind of what they did with Joe Burrow a little bit last year. Maybe he gets eased into things early, gets a little more snaps later on, but the Bengals definitely want to beef up that rotation. And Ogunjobi would be a guy by that, that would definitely help a lot of different things there. So that is something to note. Now let's go with, uh, ooh, I don't know if I want to do the tweet of the week yet, or if I, I'll, let's just do this fun one. This, this, this isn't Bengals centric, but it is for those who live in Cincinnati. Found this one this morning, just a fun one. I'll just share it real quick. This is from Cincinnati Magazine and Greg Hand, who writes for them. This is just about uh, 17 curious facts about Cincinnati chili. Uh, I, as a Southern California guy, I don't know, you know, uh, too much about it. And when I when I hear chili, I think of you know, kind of the more Southwest style being out in Southern California where it's more like a stew, a real thick, you know, ground beef and, and, you know, it's no, no noodles or pasta or anything like that. It's more like a stew that you add all kinds of stuff, you know, avocado and cheese and all kinds of different stuff with it. Um, obviously a different version of chili in Cincinnati. So whether you are a Cincinnatian or whether you are just, someone who is a Bengals fan and has not had chili or anything like this. I'm, I think I pinned it in the live chats for folks there. Um, but uh, this, you can see there, the Cincinnati magazine um, article there is, it's just a fun article and it, it goes really into history. There's also some politicians, I guess they got involved. I don't know. Kind of crazy. Uh, again, not Bengals centric, but Cincinnati centric. So check that one out on uh, from the Cincinnati magazine that came across the Twitter timeline. I'm like, Hey, I got to share this one in case nobody saw that kind of, kind of crazy stuff, giving you a history of Cincinnati chili, one of the staples of the city and of the state, of course. Now, before we get to the rest of the AFC North and things going on within the division, let's get to the tweet of the week. This one is Bengals slash overall NFL centric, but it's the tweet of the week. <laughs> This is coming from Ian Rappaport. 
And you can find this now in a variety of stories and whatnot, in a variety of different areas. But, oh boy, this one um, kind of just came out of came out of nowhere, and you kind of wondered why the market for former Bengals cornerback Trey Waynes was very quiet, very dry at this point in time. Aside from, of course, the flop of a contract. Now, really, this was the only that I can think of really bad big contract the Bengals have given out for the most part in the past couple of years. I mean, when you look at Mike Hilton, you look at Trey Hendrickson, you look at Ogan Joby, you look at BJ Hill. I mean, you look at all these moves and you go, wow, these are, you know, uh, a Wujie was a good pickup. I mean, all of these guys, this was kind of the one that sticks out like a sore thumb for the Bengals in free agency. But Ian Rappaport for the tweet of the week says former Bengals cornerback Trey Waynes tells the Geary and Stein sports show podcast that his football days are over. And the quote from the interview in which you can go and find on Spotify and other areas, you can find the interview and snippets of it on NFL.com. But quote, honestly, in my head, I'm done. I'm not officially doing it because I don't give an expletive. You have to wonder now, there, there are two takes with that. Was that playing into a lack of desire with the Bengals? I don't think so. You know, got got the big payday after his rookie contract. Some people think that, you know, was he just really disenchanted and, you know, after he got, you know, paid very well, was he a guy that, I don't know, just didn't uh, – didn't care as much about football after getting that big contract. That happens to some folks. We had Trey Waynes on our show shortly after he signed with the Bengals. And I don't, I, I think we didn't really get that impression. We got the impression of a guy who was excited about things to come and excited to get that big contract with a team that he felt was up and coming. So interesting that he all of a sudden is just done. And I think really what it is, is, you know, he, he had the, the peck issue, the torn peck, and then he had hamstring issues and all kinds of different things. And so, you know, I, I think at that point he maybe just saw his body falling apart, so to speak, and just couldn't get on the field and just said, you know, this is just not working for me. And the frustration level that comes with that. But he, being Trey Waynes, claims that he is done with football at this point in time. We'll see what happens when actual games are being played. It's easy to also say, you know, when you've been injured, when you've had all these things come up, it's easy to say, you know, I'm done when you're thinking about practicing and training camp and all that kind of stuff, the rigors of all of that. And then when the games come on, I mean, I think all of us who competed in sports and at, you know, either relatively high levels or very high levels, whatever, you can say practice is not as fun as playing the games, right? I mean, that's just kind of the reality. So maybe when games are being played, maybe a team comes comes knocking, maybe a coach or in which he is familiar with or has some closeness with kind of uh, reaches out. I don't know, but as of now, he just kind of said, I'm done. And that partially explains why there hasn't been a lot of interest in him in the free agent market, aside from the flop of a contract he's coming off of. He he may have been approached quite a bit from teams and he just said, nope, I'm done. So go listen to that interview. Interesting stuff. That was the tweet of the week from me and Rappaport about Trey Wayne's being done with football. All right. Moving on, AFC North, let's do it. Cleveland Browns. For all of the talk of the Bengals wide receiver group, and rightfully so, there is one that kind of, you know, I mean, you got Jarvis Landry now gone from from Cleveland, and obviously OBJ was traded last year, but Anthony Poisel here of clevelandbrowns.com relays a story saying Amari Cooper believes, quote, uh, believes Cleveland, quote, suits me very, very well. And here is the link in the live chats for everybody, again, from Anthony Poisel. And you can see here, quote, I'm comfortable, Amari Cooper said. There's great tradition here, a great football environment, which I love. I think this place suits me really well. Actually, my personality and everything like that. Um, and then you can see here by personality, uh, Poisel writes, Cooper's talking about the pace of, well, everything, the daily routine, the ease of meetings, the relaxed but focused mindset head coach Kevin Stefanski tries to instill in his team each offseason. So Amari Cooper is liking where he is at. And obviously, 
the microscope is a little bit finer and a little bit uh, you feel it a little bit more in Dallas with the Cowboys, I think, than you do in Cleveland with the Browns for better or for worse. And I think now a guy who is known as one of the better wide receivers, a very good route runner and a guy who quietly has been very productive in the NFL, you know, can go to Cleveland and, and maybe do some things. Who's going to play quarterback there? We don't know. There's I try and not talk a ton of Deshaun Watson and his situation there, but you know, there's, there's some talk about, I think 20 of 24 uh, lawsuits or, you know, things surrounding him have been settled to this point in time. Um, but we still don't know about a lingering suspension there. We know that the Browns are trying to unload Baker Mayfield. So is it Jacoby Brissett time? I don't know. Don't know. But that is something I just kind of another side story that is going on with the Cleveland Browns in, in terms of their quarterback situation. But Amari Cooper, regardless, is feeling comfortable that um, it, with, with the Browns and he likes where he has landed there. Kareem Hunt, a guy who got a second chance with Cleveland after being, you know, a productive running back with Kansas City had, a, a, you know, a bad situation happen. Um, and then now he uh, got a second chance with Cleveland and has kind of made the most of that kind of spelling uh, Nick Chubb and being a productive back behind that line. And in that system, he wants a contract extension and he wants it to be with Cleveland. He wants to remain in Cleveland long term. So this is the article by Dogs by Nature, the SB Nation Cleveland Browns website. Um, and it's relayed by Mary Kay Cavett. And you can see there is a video there talking about it, but he's heading into the final year of his contract with the Browns and he does want an extension. And he's a guy that also, you know, I think Chubb missed a little bit of time uh, last year and he, he, you know, stepped up and um, you know, they also re-signed, you can see here with the Browns, he's rushed for over uh, 1,400 yards, 13 touchdowns, and 4.4 yards per carry, along with 97 catches for 763 yards and six touchdowns. That's all in three seasons as a, you know, a, a rotational back there. So pretty good, pretty good situation. Then, of course, they've got Demetric Felton, a, a versatile second-year running back as well. So, I mean, at, at Cleveland wants to run the ball, and they, they've got guys that can do a little bit of everything in terms of Chubb, Hunt, Felton, they, they've got some versatile guys. It's now putting it together, and Hunt wants a contract extension to stay long-term with the Cleveland Browns. For the Pittsburgh Steelers, we talked about the Minka Fitzpatrick extension, so that's kind of part of, part of the storyline here. But there is uh, – this is from Teresa Varley on Steelers.com. Bengals and Steelers are one of those – Kind of, I actually, I don't know. I, I haven't really done the homework, I guess, but <laughs> it feels like a lot of other teams that you research. It's BaltimoreRavens.com. It's like LARams.com, whereas the Bengals and the Steelers, it's Bengals.com and it's Steelers.com. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know if other a lot of other teams get that. But anyway, easy to find the website, Steelers.com. Football and Life Lessons for Rookies by Teresa Varley. And it talks about, um, you know, all the all the different things that uh, the Steelers do for their rookies, including implementing a rookie program geared at helping young players adapt to all things off the field and how to handle the responsibilities that come with a professional athlete. Not sure exactly how each team handles that, but that's a really, really good approach and a really good system, depending on how well they execute it, a really good system that they have for their players here. And you can see quote, I think it's really valuable uh, from Kenny Pickett, the team's first round quarterback quarterback that they drafted this year so at any rate interesting stuff and it kind of talks about how they've helped their rookies at least this year's class of rookies go forward here uh, i'm going to play a brief clip this is from the i am athlete podcast continuing on with the steelers and this is starting to get a little bit of run here from the i am athlete podcast you know chad johnson's done a lot of work there adam jones now a host on it along with brandon marshall and I think LaShawn McCoy is on this one as well. So I am athlete. Uh, and this is from Chase Claypool, a recent interview. It's been, it's been dropped and some clips have been dropped, but Chase Claypool in there doing a really intriguing interview. This is from at Python underscore inside. I don't really know too much about that account quite honestly, but they have relayed the 
post here, and I want to give them credit, and hopefully we can hear this, but this is Chase Claypool talking about how he thinks he is a top five wide receiver, a top three wide receiver in the league, and uh, some people have kind of made note of uh, check out check out Pac-Man's reaction to it. I understand. I know for a fact I am not like the rest the rest of the guys in the yeah, NFL. Talk, talk, yeah. I know I'm a top five receiver. Yeah. I know I'm a top three receiver. Yeah. 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 You know what I'm saying? Like, Keep going. Keep going. people. Right when I'm working, I'm like, oh, you know what I'm saying? I'm a dog. Like I understand. I know for so a fact. So you can see there, uh, Claypool talking talking his talk a little bit, and that's okay. It's okay to be confident. And there are times when Claypool seems to be a bit of a dominant wide receiver. You can tell as a rookie, he was a very exciting player, but uh, had a little bit of a, a slump last year. And really, wow, those games against the Bengals, there were some drops and other issues here. But um, top three wide receiver, uh, yes. I mean, you got to respect the confidence. And obviously, he's a guy, when you looked at how he tested at the combine and whatnot, you know, a guy who's very athletic, but um, top three wide receiver in the NFL that was one of the quotes he had on the I Am Athlete podcast. Take that and run with it how you will. But I don't know that I'm in full agreement personally with Chase Claypool. I think he's talented. But top three or top five wide receiver in the NFL right now, mm, I can think of one, maybe two even, on the Cincinnati Bengals who are ahead of him. So then uh, that's one team. So then you got to look at all the other teams in the NFL. But we'll see. That's – you got to respect the confidence, I guess. Got to respect the confidence. All right, let's move on to the Baltimore Ravens. And this is from Baltimore Beatdown, the SB Nation, Baltimore Ravens site here. Isaiah Likely. Now why I'm sharing this is because the Bengals showed pre-draft interest in Isaiah Likely, the tight end from Coastal Carolina. Did not have a great RAS profile, but a guy who found the end zone a lot. His final season and a guy that the Bengals seem to like. He was, I believe, a fourth-round pick for Baltimore. And just one of those names where you saw the, the Baltimore Ravens, it was like, oh, my gosh. Every round you were like, oh, Linderbaum. Oh, it was just like guy after guy after guy. Travis Jones. And it was like a, a lot of guys that Bengals fans and, and draft pundits wanted the Bengals to draft and, uh, and or they showed pre-draft interest. But Isaiah Likely is acclimating well and flashing playmaking potential uh according to a lot of different um a lot of different sources including tony jefferson the second um and just one of those guys again where the baltimore ravens and you go back to the interview we had with justin from engraven vids the baltimore ravens are trying to get back to that controlled passing use those big bodied athletic players mark andrews isaiah likely etc to really work the middle of the field try and create coverage mismatches by using a number of different tight ends. So uh, a guy that they think they've got some high hopes for. Um, they also drafted Charlie Kohler, the tight end uh, in this year's class. I think he was the fifth, fifth round pick. So, I mean, they've, they've loaded up a tight end. Uh, ironically, Hayden Hurst, one of the guys who they had high hopes for there is now on the Bengals a few years later, but the Ravens are trying to emulate what they did a couple of years ago that got them far in, not into and far in the playoffs based on, you know, getting Dobbins back and, and others to help out the run game, obviously letting Lamar be Lamar and letting Lamar be Lamar using those tight ends and a little more controlled passing um, attack, definitely accentuating high efficiency in the red zone with those positions. But um, at any rate, Isaiah likely a guy that the Bengals tended to like, and the pre-draft process is, is showing up well for the Ravens. And then this is on BaltimoreRavens.com. Just kind of a little news and notes thing from Kevin Eck of Baltimore Ravens. Eric DaCosta has Ravens set up to be one of the, quote, most successful and consistent teams over the next three years. Interesting take here. And that was via Steven Ruiz and Ben Solak. Um who are on the ringer NFL show podcast, but you can see here, um, you know, DaCosta was obviously the guy that took over as GM from Ozzie Newsom, Newsom when he moved into the EVP position. Um, but DaCosta obviously learned under Newsom, a highly successful GM as well with the Ravens. And so now you can see here, they've uh, a lot of people think that the Ravens are built to last and this 
draft class kind of points to it. So um, you can check that out as well as the Ringer NFL Show podcast where they talk about the Ravens. Um, so going to be interesting to see exactly where the AFC North ends up playing out. A lot of people feel the Bengals are built to last as well because of the uh, young talent that they've amassed and what they did last year, conceivably a year or two earlier than a lot of people believed that they would, uh, the, the kind of run that they would make. But now you also have a team like the Ravens who have been there, done that. They do have the pieces and they did have a nice draft class as well as some good, good free agency pieces. So a lot of people believe that they are going to be a tough team to beat over the next couple of years. We'll see. The Bucks have been all over the news this offseason, whether it's Tom Brady retiring, coming back, Bruce Arians, the whole deal. And now it's their, their star interior defensive lineman, Dominican Sue, still wants to play. He is a free agent. This is from Michael Baca on NFL.com. Still wants to play, but it seems like Tampa Bay is out of the mix for that. Now, this is interesting because we just also talked about Larry Ogunjobi and Bengals needing conceivably a little bit of interior line help. Um, so it, it's going to be something to note where Sue goes or, you know, if Ogunjobi gets scooped up by the Steelers, where to Sue, all of that. But it, it, basically he notes that it looks like the Bucks are out of the picture. Um, and you can see here, you, because Tampa signed Akeem Hicks, that's kind of the, the writing on the wall that Sue had. But um, I, I'm really, I'm excited to just understand where I can potentially be. It looks like the Bucks are out of the picture, but excited to look at other options. And it would be his 13th season, a guy who's been very durable, pretty productive. One of the most dominant players I ever watched on the defensive side of the ball in college, just an absolute game wrecker in college brought a lot of that to the NFL. There are some other times where you go, okay, you know, does the reputation precede the play? But for the most part, Sue's been a pretty productive player and a, and a disruptive player in the NFL. And, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to note where he goes going forward and what teams may be interested. Again, one of those guys up in the years in his NFL career, maybe a guy that, you know, comes in like what Mike Daniels did with the Bengals a couple of years ago, maybe closer to training camp, what have you. Maybe teams, unfortunately, suffer an injury. They see how the team is stacked up in training camp and in preseason, and they say, wait, we are deficient in this area, and we need to get, get this kind of player here. We'll see, and we'll also see what kind of gas he has left in the tank for the 13th season there. The Washington Commanders, still a little – different to say um, with the new name and whatnot, but the quarterback coach there appreciates Carson Wentz's curious nature quote. He's hungry for football and he's hungry for football has not always been the reputation with a guy like Carson Wentz. Um, but Ken Zampezi, remember that name? You should it's with the Bengals uh, quote. He's intuitive. He's curious. He's hungry for football. That's the part that's fun for me. He's curious and in a good way. That's what we're looking for. The communication has been great. His ideas doing what we're asking to him to do. Uh, and then, you know, Hey, how do you want to do this? How do you want to see this play? Uh, all of that. And that is via Bijan Todd of NBC sports, Washington. That was uh, NFL.com relayed those quotes there. Ken Zampezi blast from the past there. So you can check that story out on NFL.com. Carson Wentz, impressing his quarterback coach, who was a former Bengals quarterback coach as well. Interesting article here, again, on NFL.com, I believe. Yeah, this is from MJD, Maurice Jones-Drew. Who will get the most touches from crowded position groups? Now, the Bengals aren't noted here, but just a fun one. It talks about the Panthers in different positions. The Steelers are on here. The Bills are on here. So, you know, there's just, you know, sifting through some of the most crowded and, you know, somewhat talented position groups around the league. And you can see here, look at the names for Miami at the running backs. It's Raheem Mostert, um, Sony Michelle, Chase Edmonds, Miles Gaskin. I mean, a lot of guys around here. Uh, I think also, I, I'm surprised they went with running backs 
with the Jets, I guess that's MJD's background, so that's where he focused. But, I mean, I'd almost wonder what the tight end situation is going to look like in New York. They loaded up there. And then, of course, wide receivers in Denver, all kinds of stuff. So cool breakdown there. Go check that out from a for- former player and now a guy who is a an analyst with the NFL Network and NFL.com. Moving on and almost getting out of here in just a sec. Just kind of a little bit of a fun one with nine NFL players entering a make or break season. And this is from Chris Trapasso of CBS Sports. I will pin this in the live chat. You see here Devin Bush, Jeff Okuda. Uh, Jeff Okuda, the former Ohio State cornerback here. And then, you know, you've got Jalen Rager, another guy. Remember, he was a lot of a lot of Bengals fans wanted Jalen Rager. Uh, AJ Green on this list, Dante Hightower, Devin Bush, all kinds of players. So go check out that breakdown by Chris Trapasso of CBS Sports. There, we've got another fun one ranking the comeback player or players, um, comeback candidates. I don't know why it's labeling it this, but. Comeback candidates, Allen Robinson headlines five veterans who could experience a resurgence. He's got Allen Robinson with the L.A. Rams and others. So you can check this out. Jarvis Landry, another one with New Orleans here. So you can check this one out. Pretty fun one in terms of comeback players there. So then, of course, we've got an interesting set of circumstances. A I don't know if it's I don't know if you want to call it surprising, but Jordan Schultz on Twitter broke this shortly before we took the air. Rob Gronkowski tells me he's retiring. Um, So the future first ballot Hall of Famer won four Super Bowls while earning a spot in the NFL's 100th anniversary team and 2010's All-Decade team, 33 years old. Now, the interesting thing with this is, number one, he kind of toyed with, you know, am I going to come back with Tom Brady? He mentioned a couple times Joe Burrow, and I would want to play with Joe Burrow right now, all that kind of stuff. So he is retiring is what he told at Schultz underscore report, Jordan Schultz, uh, you know, an NFL insider, a guy who's got a, a, a good, some good ends across the league and whatnot at 33 years old. But this follow-up tweet from Adam Schefter kind of tells a little bit of something potentially, I don't want to say different story, but In reaction to Rob Gronkowski's news, his agent Drew Rosenhaus, the mega agent, texts, it would not surprise me if Tom Brady calls him during the season to come back and Rob answers the call. This is just my opinion, but I wouldn't be surprised if Rob comes back during the season or next season. If you remember, he retired, came back to, to play with Tom Brady again. So there's that. But might that also leave the door open? For the Bengals, if he truly believes what he said this offseason about playing with Joe Burrow, might that be something if the Bengals come calling, he may come out of retirement or next year if the Bengals opt to not resign Hayden Hurst beyond this year. He is on a one-year contract. I don't know. Playing speculation games here, but interesting thing to note. And of course, Gronk is now going to retire as of now. We will see if he does come back or not. That being said, I want to tell everybody again about our episode coming up this week. Um, we've got a lot to cover, but we do have Ike Taylor and Mark Bergen from the Believe in Steelers podcast, former cornerback Ike Taylor with the Steelers and Mark Bergen, media personality, both great guys. Both have been on this program before. Separately, we get them on together, and that'll be available for you Wednesday night. Pretty excited to have both those guys back on the program to talk about the Steelers, get their thoughts on what the Bengals did last year, their direction. But also, we want to get that look over the fence to see exactly what's going on with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the direction i'm really curious to hear ike's thoughts about the quarterback position obviously his thoughts about mike tomlin a guy that 
we all immensely respect for a number of different reasons, but uh, going to be a good interview. I'm looking forward to that one. So that'll be available for you tomorrow night on our main show. We'll also probably have a standalone episode with that. And we've got some other things brewing and cooking that are very exciting, not only for the podcast channel, but also for this show specifically. So you got to stay tuned and you got to get the show on your favorite platform, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all of the major ones. You can go right there to that little icon at the bottom of the screen there. Click that to subscribe to our YouTube channel and click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available. We've got a lot of stuff still pumping your way for the summer and in a training camp and all kinds of different things. Like I said, we've got some exciting stuff coming down the pike. We can't wait to tell you about. So we're going to, we're going to get that to you. I promise. I promise. But for the meantime, thank you for the support. Thank you for tuning in live for this one. Thank you for listening after the fact. And thank you for supporting this show for years, as well as just the Cincy Jungle podcast channel, what we've, what we have done there, what we are doing there. So go Subscribe also on your favorite audio platform. Leave us a a review if you could. That helps us out, and we appreciate it. Well, we went long with this one, but we got to a lot, shared a lot of thoughts, and I hope you got informed, whether it's about the Bengals, whether it's about the AFC North, whether it's about the rest of the NFL. Go sound like a smarty to everybody that you know, family, friends, coworkers, what have you. Share the knowledge. We'll be back tomorrow night, and we'll be bringing you all kinds of different stuff. Uh, throughout the summer, like I said. So check us out. Appreciate the support and we'll talk to you soon.